0: Dear friends, welcome to another edition of the Forum 2000 Online Chats. Uh, My name is Sasha Hanik and I'll be moderating this conversation. Europe and Hungary, uh, Hungarian Prime Minister Orban and his ruling party Fidesz have developed a form of illiberal democracy that has led Hungary to become the only EU country to be listed as partially free. Orban's party won a fourth consecutive term in office in April's parliamentary election, once again talking a two-thirds majority in the parliament. What does this mean for Europe in times of democratic decline, resurgent authoritarianism, authoritarian influence, and war? To answer all these questions today, we have a very special uh, expert, uh, Dr. Keko. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thanks a for having me.
0: I have a series of, uh, I, I, I'm sure there are very general questions, but I know people who are listening to this conversation may not know. Uh, so I want to start with the basic phenomenon. What is a liberal democracy? And you, you also talk about informational autocracy. So what is informational autocracy and how it relates with uh, Hungary?
1: Yes, I think it's an important question and it, it uh, fits to a broader trend that we can observe in all over the world. The concept of informational autocracy or spin dictatorship is coming from Guriev and Treisman, who, who labeled uh, the new kinds of... Autocracies this way, new kinds of autocracies does not use direct violence mm-hmm. to oppress their citizens because they don't have to. There are no mass uh, imprisonments, there are no uh, not necessary beating up of protesters, no killed journalists, no killed political opponents, no banned political parties, but at the same time manipulation of information what we can observe in hungary is that the most centralized media system within the whole european union was set up and it operates as a highly efficient brainwashing machinery that practically can bring citizens to a different reality by distorting basic news and just give you one information i think most sorry just give you one illustration in most of the countries that were hit hard by the COVID, the leading parties suffered, or the president suffered the as a consequence. Exactly. Let's think about Donald Trump or Jair Bolsonaro. Okay. Uh, don't, the popularity of Viktor Orban remained untouched, despite the fact that Hungary had the second highest mortality rate. In ratio to the population, due to COVID, within the whole European Union, so very high mortality rate. Two thirds of the Hungarian population was not aware of the fact. Uh, the other thing is that that uh, more than two thirds of the Fidesz voters, the governmental voters in Hungary, think that this is Ukraine to blame for the invasion of Russia. So. If you can manipulate the information well, and this is the art of informational autocracies, then you don't have to oppress your citizens, you can play a democrat. And there are more and more uh, autocrats like that. They are look like democrats who, who wear suits and not military uniforms, but at the same time can quite aggressively uh, and violently distort reality.
0: I want to touch upon uh, a lot of things that you mentioned. And you mentioned the voters, the, the support that this party has. I, I read an article you wrote about this phenomenon. And you said that actually it, was, it is the lower income groups that are the greatest supporters of uh, Orban and his party. But not only that, but they're also the most apolitical ones. So they either, either support Orban or they don't support anyone. Um, How should we interpret this? Uh, How do these two factors correlate uh, being apolitical or being less uh, engaged with politics and supporting these kind of leaders?
1: Yeah, it's very important because it's highly counterintuitive. You would assume that the winners of the regime are the most uh, enthusiastic supporters. But the reality is just the other way around. The losers of the regime who have sometimes no jobs, no social benefits, no flats, no nothing. Uh, They are the most enthusiastic supporters of Orban's regime because it can give them some kind of symbolic reward, national pride, uh, feeling uh, somehow uh, brave and proud Hungarians, uh, to, to also entertainment uh, through the clashes with the European Union and with the big globalist forces. So I think it, it pretty much proves that Politics today is much more about the circus than about the bread, because the ones who have the bread, they are more reluctant to vote for for Orban. The upper middle classes who had a lot of social benefits, who had a lot of of, of tax reductions, who had a lot of uh, state support, are much less uh, happy about the Orban regime than the losers, because they have more information, they have higher education, and they have better quality of information. So they can see much more the negativities and the, and the, for example, corrupt nature of the regime, unlike the ones who are oppressed and have much worse information and less information and also less interested about politics as well.
0: That's very interesting because you mentioned the circus and you also mentioned Bolsonaro or Trump and these are very, they're related to populism, which is similar or is related to uh, this form of illiberalism, but it's not exactly the same. Uh, nevertheless, we do see people like Orban gaining popularity abroad. And I think one of the examples we think about a very popular leader in Latin America is Bukele and he and he runs a very s- similar kind of style of government. So my question is, how does this trend this kind of leader, this kind of politics spread across borders. Do you think people see what Orbán is doing and they they say, oh, this is the kind of president I want for my country? Or is it a response to something that is happening across democracies in general?
1: I think one of the problems of our days is that autocrats learn much more from each other uh, than Democrats do. And this uh, autocratic international of, of the populist forces, I think it's, it works pretty well. Viktor Orbán is welcome uh, not only in Brazil but in, in the United States as well, especially in the conservative right, not in the uh, on the uh, governmental circles. Uh, Orbán has very good relationship with the European far-right forces, not with the mainstream anymore, and I think he is increasingly a model for uh, illiberals all over the world because he shows the way to success. Orban also sends his political consultants um, to uh, elections uh, in the Western Balkans and also at other parts of the world. He promised uh, help for Jair Bolsonaro for his re-election because he is seen like uh, a success politician even in the United States. And But of course he's not the only one. I think Donald Trump is also a great inspiration still for many uh, all around the world. But he, he failed at the last presidential election. Orbán could win four consecutive terms. But what is very important to see here is that, yes, he won. Yes, he's, he won because he's popular, not because he cheated at the election, but the elections were highly unfair. So if you do not have access to the basic information and you live in an Orwellian world with a totally distorted information environment, citizens simply cannot make informed decisions. And if they cannot make informed decisions, we cannot talk about a democracy.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned other leaders that are gaining popularity in Europe and we know their names, we know Bolsonaro. Uh, considering What is happening now in in Ukraine and how the West more or less has responded to the crisis and has shown that, okay we can apply sanctions, we can give a tougher response, we can be the tough leader in power, even though we are democratic. Do you think this has changed the prospects for other illiberal or populist leaders in Europe?
1: Yes, it did. I think there are two stages of, this, of, this, uh, of the reaction of the European politics to the war. And the first stage was about sympathy, was about condemning Russia, was mm-hmm. about moral outrage due to the genocide and of, of killing civilians and so on. But I think we are entering into the second stage where interest about Ukraine is on the decline. There is a Ukraine fatigue. Energy prices are soaring up, inflation of food uh, products are just rising to the sky, and it's partially, because of the uh, of the war, partially independent uh, of the war, but still, I think it gives more and more room for politicians such as Viktor Orbán, uh, such as, for example, Matteo Salvini, Giorgia Meloni, uh, such as Marine Le Pen, who say that let's stop the sanctions, let's stop to support mm-hmm. Ukraine, let's defend your own people, let's provide welfare for your own people. And when you did that, then you can, uh, uh, you can go into, um, into foreign policy exercises. And, and I think this kind of soft pro-Russian relativist uh, messaging is just get, getting a stronger audience. And the winter is coming with very high energy prices. So I do think that, that uh, democracies in Europe are shockproof but there will be very serious shocks uh, during the winter. What we can tell, on the other hand, is that there was the economic crisis in Mm 2008-2009, there was the migration crisis in 2015-16, and if Europe survived those, I'm pretty sure that Europe will survive these higher energy prices as well. But it will be difficult anyway, and it will give some more room to the European far-right to rise. Mm
0: -hmm. So the next four to five months will be critical, and we will see how leaders in the West respond. Thank you so much for explaining us the situation. I am sure everyone who is listening to this conversation knows much more about Hungary and Urban than they did after they clicked play. And we Thank hope to meet again in the future. Thank you. you.